0: Good morning. And uh, for anyone who has come in after I introduced myself earlier, my name is Donald Rothberg. and a member of the Spirit Rock uh, Teachers Council. So I think I'll go right into the theme of patience. We've been using for the Sunday mornings, as those of you who've come uh, before know, we've been using a particular framework of a teaching uh, called the teaching of the paramis, or the uh, paramitas, some of you may know from Zen tradition or Tibetan tradition. And these are usually translated as the virtues or the perfections. It's related in uh, to the English words like paragon. It has something to do with uh, something, para often means something that's beyond or highly developed. And so the model of the paramis is a list of qualities which we develop in our practice, uh, both in formal meditation and in our daily lives. And it's a very everyday kind of list. It doesn't require going off, you know, in a cave for a year or two and or doing long retreats. All of these qualities can be both uh, wonderfully developed in formal meditation and in retreat context, but also, perhaps even more significantly, can be the focus of daily life. So they, they are in the list of, uh, from the Theravada tradition, there are ten qualities. Uh, And they're being explored, I think, um, uh, two months on each of them. So next month, the Sunday morning gathering will also be focused on patience. And some of the other uh, themes or virtues are generosity, uh, ethical integrity, uh, renunciation, wisdom, energy, those are the ones which come in, in the traditional list before, uh, before patience. And then we have also four others, truthfulness, a sort of determination, or we might say persistence, uh, loving-kindness, and equanimity. And it's a beautiful list. And what's very interesting about the list of qualities, and particularly this will be an important theme when we look at patience, is that they're all interrelated. It actually helps us to understand better patience. That uh, patience is very closely connected, for example, with our persistence, our ability to be with what's challenging and stay with it, not be knocked off course because something difficult has happened. It's also very connected with wisdom that uh, we need to be able to, uh, be patient because we know that, for example, to be impatient, and let's say to be impatient about something happening, you know, the, I don't know, the driver at the traffic light who waits an extra three seconds before going off with the green light, which is probably for many of us is one of the main, is a big thing. <laughs> I'll speak for myself. <laughs> so. Uh, wisdom can say, let it go, Donald. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Or wisdom could tell us something about um, being really impatient with a person who's acting as that person has acted uh, 135 times in the past. And wisdom can say, yes, you're impatient, but you know it keeps on happening. The world may not be fully functioning according to what you want. <laughs> and that's wisdom, right? That's wisdom can... As it were, override the irritation, and so it's very, very uh, patience is very connected with with uh, many of these other qualities, and it's a uh, and as we develop patience, some of the other qualities also develop. So it's quite it's quite nice, you know. So for example, patience isn't just about uh, being able to keep on waiting and not acting and sort of being a doormat, right? That's not patience, or just being submissive. I'll just go along with whatever anyone is doing. Right? That's not true patience, because we can see it's not necessarily connected with wisdom, and it might not be connected with ethical integrity, which may call on us to act in certain circumstances. So you see, patience starts to get a little more complex. Right? It's not just about everything. I will bear it with a grimace right? That, that, that would be a misunderstanding of patience. So it's interesting, isn't it? You see, it starts to get more than just something simple. It has to be uh, mature patience gets integrated with these other qualities, which is actually a beautiful aspect of the teaching. It's not isolated, in other words. That, and I think that's that, the, that our deeper qualities in, in a sense form a system together, which, is, which again is very, very interesting. The English word Patience has um, its roots in the um, word, I think from Latin, pati, P-A-T-I, which is, which is linked with um, suffering, or it means really suffering. It's connected with the word pathos, and other words, pathetic, <laughs> you know. And those all have their roots in uh, suffering. So it, in a sense, to be patient means to be able to be with suffering. And so it's also related to the very word patient, as in the noun, which is someone, you know, in a medical context who would be suffering. So it has, it has that sense. Um, one of the dictionary definitions of patience is to bear or endure pain, difficulty, provocation, or annoyance with calmness. Sounds good, right? <laughs> And so there's that another one, an ability or willingness to suppress restlessness or annoyance when confronted with delay. (laughs) So we get a sense that there's there's something about that uh, ability, particularly to be with difficulty. We could also say in other contexts, patience is the ability to be uh, with something that we really want, and that we really want, I want that and to maybe have a longer view. So we maybe teach children, be patient about those cookies. The cookies will come in due time. So, it is, so patience especially has to do with can we have wisdom and balance and equanimity, particularly when there's something hard that's happening, something difficult, but <coughs> also in a sense when we want something, <coughs> something um, good is happening, or something something good is close by and can I still be led by wisdom? So in Buddhist terms, we would say it's particularly connected with um, when the mind becomes reactive, typically in pushing away or in grasping. That's when patience comes into view as something to develop. Again, particularly when something is uh, challenging. And again, it has a sense of being able to be um, in a way balanced, constant, wise, equanimous, increasingly with what's diff- with what's challenging. And in the context of our practice, it becomes quite important because it means patience means this continual ability to notice our impatience and open up to it. And to say, and part of the my aim this morning is that, as it were, the rest of the day or next week, we will have a moment of impatience and say, ah, a chance to learn something, rather than a curse, right? And that really points to the way that the the greatest challenge of our daily life practice is actually to remember to pay attention, and to remember to take uh, moment-to-moment experience as opening up a possibility of learning. That's what's most difficult. In other words, we're on automatic so much of the time. And part of why we come here, part of why we listen to teaching, and I have to say that I sit here and say, hmm, that sounds good. You should listen to what that guy is saying. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's like that, <laughs> right? That's... This is, this is an interesting role where I can express my best wisdom and I can say yes and listen to what you say, please. And so we, we can take those moments of impatience, having the teaching and understanding this as a practice, we're more likely in a moment of impatience to not be so much on automatic. And that's really the aim entirely of our practice. That's why we listen to teachings, especially daily life, because daily life, we often, even though we may live near Spirit Rock, we're kind of on our own, most of us, during the week. You know, ideally we would have a family or partner or friends who would keep reminding us and we'd be a support team. But often we even you know at work, whatever, we may be on our own a lot. And that's where we it's really important just to remember to have the support of sessions like this, more likely to remember, ah, a moment of impatience. Let me look at it. Let me explore. There's a beautiful passage from uh, Sharon Salzberg, who's a teacher on the East Coast. Some of you may have read her work. She says, True patience is constancy, the consistent willingness to meet this moment of reality as a vehicle for wisdom and compassion. True patience isn't gritting one's teeth and saying, I'll bear with this for another five minutes, because I'm sure it will be over by then, and then something better will come along. <laughs> right? Patience isn't dour and it isn't unhappy, it's a steady strength that we apply to each experience that we face. If the situation calls for action, we must take it. Patience doesn't mean inertia or complacency. Instead, it gives us a courageous dedication to the long haul, along with the willingness to connect with the multi-layered truth, that is right here. So, very interesting. Um, Classically, in the teachings of the Buddha, uh, in addition to having patience be one of the core virtues to be developed, the Buddha talked about patience, he said, it's the highest austerity, the highest virtue, and the highest devotion. Fairly strong language, right, for a quality that Probably many of us say, well, patience is good, but it's not that big a deal, is it, right? But it actually is highlighted as something very important and very central. Because I think because it really uh, is a quality that is right there when we're reactive. And really the the core of our practice is to be really attentive, essentially, to when we're off-center and to take that as an opportunity for learning. That's the center of this practice. And that's why we practice mindfulness, because without mindfulness, we're not going to notice. We'll be on automatic, right? So we practice mindfulness, so we'll be more likely to to notice, oh, I'm impatient, and so forth. So it helps in studying uh, and developing impatience to look at what leads to impatience right? When do we become impatient? So take a moment and reflect on some of the situations which for you most commonly lead to impatience. Maybe we'll we'll share some. So Melinda, why don't we use the microphone. So anyone like to share something uh that that leads you to be impatient? You'll have to please volunteer more quickly. <laughs> so that should be on? Now yeah. it's on. Yeah. I think probably being with the unknown yeah. when I want to know something and it's always grounded in fear. Yeah. Being, can you give a concrete example? Yeah. <laughs> My husband and I are preparing to move oh, yeah. from um, a large house to a small house. Yeah. And we don't have any trouble getting rid of the large house, but we don't know what the small house looks like yet. Ah. And I want to know that a lot. I want to know where it is, what it looks like, what's gonna, what there's going to be room for, and I can be very impatient when I don't see that unfolding right now. Right. So a great example, the unknown, and wanting, wanting to know. And that some, and beautiful to notice the fear and anxiety. So this is part of what the invitation is. Really we're doing this so we can say the next time we're impatient, we say, oh, great, something to study, a chance to learn. Which goes again, goes against our conditioning. So another, another example? Please, uh, Carol in front and then Eve. I'm sure it happens to everyone. Uh, The stupid drivers that probably think I'm stupid too, but uh, um, it it amazes me how irritated I could get when I'm wanting to go as fast as I want to go and someone's in my way. Yeah, yeah, beautiful (laughs) example. How many can relate to this example of the, (laughs) the... the driver who is not going the right speed according to my script. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I become impatient. And uh, I'm sure I'm there impatient at times, too. Yeah, and so, so not fully caught in the impatience because you can reflect that with some humor. And humor is great with impatience, right? Impatience. Humor is a very great uh, tool for seeing this. So. But that wisdom to know that um, others may be seeing you in exactly the same way. That helps, that helps, doesn't it? Yeah, please, uh, Eve. When one of my children should be doing something that I know is the right thing for that child to do, and he doesn't, it makes me very impatient. Yeah. Wonderful. How many can relate to that? an <laughs> example of a, a child, again, who is not acting according to the script that I have. And I become impatient. Please, right next to you, uh, Melinda. Uh, aside from uh, incompetence, I would say lack of accountability mm-hmm. yeah. really drives me nuts. So when someone in your life becau- uh, doesn't take uh, what responsibility, yeah, when for or s- something, yeah, yeah. just yeah. say it, own it, be it.
1: It's you yeah. know,
0: if I don't know is the answer, that's awesome. Yeah, but when it's this wishy-washy stuff, I get really yeah, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so, noticing impatience when people are not, how should we say, uh, maybe uh, acting morally as you would like them to. Something maybe, yeah. a, being accountable, yeah. Being accountable. Yeah, great. Uh, do you have one, Melinda?: Yeah, mm-hmm. I do. It's similar to this one. I get impatient when I get promised things or told yes when it's not true. Mm-hmm. So, people say, yeah, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that, and they don't do it. Yeah, and I'm so powerless to, that gets me. You moved. get in, you get impatient with people when they don't do what they say they will do. Yeah. How many can relate to that? Okay, <laughs> okay maybe one or two more. Uh, right, maybe, yeah, right there. Hi. Um, I get impatient with physical health diminishing, mm-hmm. a physical health incapacity that I haven't experienced before. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so. Medical uh, physical capacities diminishing some impatience. And so, last one for now, uh, we'll have a chance to explore this also, uh, after the talk. Yeah. Please. I get impatient, well, for a lot of things, but something that just popped into my head, is when I'm trying to get hold of my HMO or a bank or something, and I'm put into voicemail <laughs> hell. <laughs> <laughs> so, times when, uh, you're trying to reach a real human being, perhaps. <laughs> and you get shifted into voicemail, you know, which um, may have the implication that you won't be taken care of for a while. Or not like, not like you wanted, right? Not what you wanted in that situation. So it's really helpful to see where we become impatient. I was reflecting on some of the ways that um, I become impatient and uh, it's not happening now exactly, but I remember that um until I bought a Mac, my old computer <laughs> <laughs> my old computer was very, very slow. And I, I it was really interesting. I you know, years of meditative training. <laughs> and and I became uh angrier towards this computer and more impatient than I had towards any human being for the for for the Two years before that, it was really interesting and I, it was interesting also, I was reading a book by a well-known teacher who teaches in the South Bay, Adyashanti, who's, um, you know, uh, claims certain levels of enlightenment. He says he also gets very, very frustrated with computers quite often. But he, he says the difference between usual impatience is that he gets he doesn't get stuck for that long. So, anyway, that, that be that as it may. <laughs> But uh, I know certain, certain um, computers, or we could say uh, physical things, not working as I think they should, or on my timetable. So you get, we're starting to get the sense here that what's really key for impatience is that I have a script. I have a sense of the way things should be, the way other people should be, the way machines should be, maybe the way the weather should be. You know, we can get impatient with, Many days of rain in the California winter, right? Anyone ever get impatient with, with, with the weather? Which is, we know that's a losing proposition. Right? <laughs> right, and so it's very interesting. So it's, again, humor, very helpful. I think all of spiritual practice, humor, very helpful, but with, with uh, impatience, very useful. And I, I was also reflecting something else which I would get really impatient with is uh, getting stuck in bad traffic jams. Know, and I think I've been learning with that. I say, okay, practice. It doesn't happen that much, but I, I can remember times when just um, there's maybe. I think for myself, I, I have a sense of uh, have had a sense. Uh, you know, again, it's like wanting to be a certain place at a certain time. And sometimes there's almost something I think in my own mind raised almost like to be to be on time to meet with someone is almost like something moral, like one's keeping one's word related to some of what we were talking about. So it gets complex, right? Issues of patience and impatience get complex. You know, like with your example, there was, I think, issues of accountability, start responsibility, are almost like moral issues involved. And also with Melinda's example. And so, um, so what we want to do is really increasingly be on the lookout for these examples of impatience. They can also arise in our meditation, right? How many people experience meditation during the sitting? You know, when will the sitting end? You know, have you ever sat at home and said, I'm going to sit for half an hour and you look at your watch and <laughs> yeah, another three minutes have gone by, <laughs> right? And uh, so you can study it. You can study it right there on the spot or it could be impatience about how my meditation practice is developing. I really should be a much more spiritual person by this point. <laughs> you know, it's it's not working like it should. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe maybe I should do something else. Maybe you know, maybe you know, qigong is for me, or you know, whatever. You know, so the mind the mind gets restless sometimes with what with what's happening, and so there's a very there's so we can start to look towards what are the common factors in impatience. There's something related to time, wanting something to occur within a certain time period. There's also typically some kind of aversion, which is linked to a kind of wanting. There's an aversion towards what's happening, but there also can be the wanting of what should happen. You know, I have aversion towards not knowing about the small house and I really want to know about the small house, or I really want those people to be accountable, and I'm aversive towards them not, them not being accountable. And so there's, uh, in some kinds of impatience, there's a wanting to kind of get to the future more quickly. There's sort of a, you know, I want to get there, I want that to happen, I want that to be uh, present more. And it's also, uh, I think, helpful when we're exploring impatience to see the, how it is experientially. What's, how does the body get affected with impatience? We can study stress in the body. I think that's very helpful because when we really explore impatience on a bodily level, we can be more apt uh, with our mindfulness to notice. Sometimes we notice the stress in the body before we notice that we're actually becoming impatient. So it's helpful in studying impatience to be with the bodily level, to be with the emotional level, to notice the thoughts. Typically, there will be some thought, this should be happening, or some expectation or some assumption that something should be otherwise. And again, it's not to say that there may not be something valuable related to our impatience. That came up particularly with the issues of accountability and some of what we are uh, maybe noticing with others. There may be something that actually is important there, but the impatience is a reactivity to the present moment. And there may be a way that we can respond to the situation without the impatience and the reactivity and still take care of what's important. In other words, the reactivity, as in all of our practice, tends to lead to our own suffering. And may lead to blaming others and blaming ourselves and so forth. I think it goes without saying that there's a cultural component to our impatience. That we're in a very speeded up culture, right? That's increasingly demanding, (coughs) I want this right now. Right, that we have, I heard that we even, in addition to having drive through restaurants, which have been around for a long time, you can actually have a drive through wedding and a drive through funeral, <laughs> in case you're short on time. <laughs> for those experiences, right? one can do that. If you're really, if you're really tight on time, you can drop off that casket oh my really, my quick, really quickly. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so there's a there is a strong cu- this isn't just personal right there's a strong cultural dimension for uh, uh, to be uh, to be impatient or to want things to happen very quickly you know I I, wa- I found uh, in I think last month in the Chronicle there was a story of um, a woman who had been hired to teach yoga at the Facebook campus and she asked people during the, whatever, 45-minute or hour-long yoga class, uh, not to use their cell phones. Some people reported that to the authorities (laughs) with a negative evaluation, and she was fired. Yeah, so there's, again, there, there might be Again, there could be some validity there. I talked with this with my sister, who is in a pretty busy, somewhat high pressure work environment. And she says, yes, the work environment this day is, is everyone has to be reachable 24, almost 24-7, you know, or certainly during the work time. And there is that kind of pressure. So there's this very strong cultural pressure that can make us more impatient, right? And we have to, I think we have to acknowledge that. Um, so what is, what it, when, we, when we look to patience and, let's say, the mature development of patience, what are, what are some of the qualities and what, is it, what does it look like? Um, let me read a few passages. These, these are some classical passages from the teachings of the Buddha that really link the quality of patience to being able, particularly, to be with difficult experiences, whether they are the apparently more minor ones of being with uh, uh, someone who's on the cell phone at a traffic light or more uh, difficult experiences like that, maybe of uh, noticing one's body uh, not being as capable as it used to be. A few passages. How is a practitioner patient? By being resilient to cold, heat, hunger, and thirst, to the touch of flies, mosquitoes, wind, sun, and reptiles, to ill-spoken, unwelcome words and bodily feelings, that when they arise are painful, piercing, disagreeable, displeasing, and menacing to life. (laughs) (laughs) To be patient with this. What is the way of impatience? If scolded, one scolds in return. If insulted, one insults in return. If abused, one abuses in return. What is the way of patience? If scolded, one does not scold in return. If insulted, one does not insult in return. If abused, one does not abuse in return. And so we look to that uh, learning, really, particularly of how to be with what's challenging. So we could take our challenging moments all as invitations to develop in patience. There's a beautiful text from the 8th century by Shanti Deva, who wrote A Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life. The Bodhisattva is one who says, I will develop in an inner way, but I will also help others. And the Guide to the Bodhisattva's Life from the 8th century, there's a line in it where Shanti Deva says, uh, Just like a treasure appearing without uh, expectation in my house, I should be glad to have an enemy, for that enemy assists me in my awakening. And that was in this chapter, that was in the chapter on Patience, which is, I think, maybe the longest chapter of that book is on Patience. And it really is about particularly working with difficult people, with people who seem to be opponents or even enemies. Working a lot with anger is spoken about a lot in that chapter. And I was I was also reflecting on what are who are some of the exemplars? It might be something interesting to look at when we go into small groups. Who are the some of the people who, for you, are exemplary of uh, patience? You know. And I was thinking of different people. I was thinking of uh, I was thinking of Nelson Mandela. He was one of the first people who came to mind. 27 years in prison, right? And he kept his clarity and he kept a certain degree of balance, right? In very hard conditions, you know, there was, there there were, there were a lot of, it wasn't a comfy prison that he was in. You know, I think that it was said that every time he went to the bathroom, it was public. Right? And how do you keep your balance in those kind of, those kind of circumstances? This, these are a few things he said. Prison itself is a tremendous education in the need for patience and perseverance. It is above all a test of one's commitment another passage there is no easy walk to freedom anywhere and many of us will have to pass through the valley of the shadow of death again and again before we reach the mountaintop of our desires yeah. so we can think about people who have been who have been who have had that quality of patience you know i was thinking also of, of my my father who died a few years ago and he, I think, taught me a lot about patience and equanimity with difficult circumstances. He was, he was um, in World War II as a young man, and he saw a lot of people die. He was in the Air Force. Um, after the war, soon after that, he developed psoriasis, and it was pretty difficult condition. I never heard him really complain about that. You know. Um, Sometime after that, he was, um, he was uh, able, with the GI Bill, to go to uh, college. And then um, he, was not, he wanted to be a doctor, but at that time, there were uh, quotas on the number of people of Jewish background who could actually go to medical school. And he was not permitted to go to medical school because of the quotas at that time, which changed, you know, changed, I think, in the 1960s. But at that time, they were still there. And, and so he went and, and became a scientist and was able to um, get a doctorate in chemistry. And later, he was doing chemical experiments for the government that were not well supervised. And he had a lot of chemicals go into his eyes, and he later became blind. He did not have a lot of... Um, he did not complain a lot about it. You know, he, there was a lot of patience and balance and really looking on the positive side, you know. And then when he was um, just about 60 or so, he developed cancer. And he was given a, um, like a two-year prognosis. And he eventually lived 27 years. <laughs> and I think I've learned from that. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of patience and being with quite challenging situations continually. And... Of course, you know, of course there were difficult moments, but there was also a tremendous amount of patience and balance and equanimity. And I think I really learned from that tremendously. You know, and you can, you can look to people who you find as exemplars. Often they're people who have gone through difficult, difficult conditions. Uh, and, yeah, let me, let me get to maybe, I'll finish just in a moment, and then we'll have a time for questions a little bit, little bit later in the in the morning. And so I think I'll end, there's also, there's a, you see where this, this is, there's a beautiful passage, some of you know, I'll end with this, in terms of patience, and just really inviting us to think about, uh, think about our own exemplars of patience, think about uh, um, what, pati- what impatience looks like, study it. This is really what the encouragement is, to study impatience, and to take a moment of impatience as a chance to learn not simply, oh, you know, to notice that, to study it, to notice when we're going there, and then to, it's really to open, can I be with this with more wisdom? You know, it, it's part, because it's partly the wisdom quality is really crucial. St. Augustine said, patience is the companion of wisdom. It's a beautiful, beautiful line. Patience is the companion of wisdom, because as we develop in our practice, the wisdom tells us it actually isn't so helpful to get impatient for that traffic jam because there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it, Donald. You know, and that's, that's our practice, right? Or the, and it's, so it's a, it's a, this is really a, really a lifetime practice, but it's to take each moment of impatience, study it, and learn from it because ultimately it's the wisdom to know that being reactive is not the most skillful way to be with a situation. It really comes down to that. That pushing away something, whether people or a situation, is not the wisest way to respond, or grabbing hold is not the wisest way to respond, even if it's actually very important to respond. Again, patience isn't about going away from the situation, acquiescing, saying, oh yeah, those people aren't taking responsibility for their actions. I'll be patient with it and just let it go. That's not necessarily mature. Patience may be to respond skillfully, but not with the reactivity. <laughs> so there's a, lot, there's a lot we can talk about later, because it gets, it gets subtle. But I think that's an important point, that patience is really guided by wisdom. And it, isn't, it also is connected with acting and responding when that's appropriate. We're not advising, oh yes, be patient with global warming. Just, just, just be calm. Let it happen. It's not that, really. And on the other hand, being impatient about the slowness of change and reactive doesn't help very much either. So you see the connection with wisdom and with appropriate response, really. is really key. So here's the closing passage. It's from the poet Rilke who has a book some of you may know. It's called letters, um, letters to a Young Poet. Anyone know that text? Beautiful book. Rilke wrote the book to the, the young poet was about 21. Rilke, the poet uh, Rainer Mar- Maria Rilke, uh, wrote the poem when he w- wrote the book or the letters when he was 29. He was like an old mature poet <laughs> at age 29. And the, the young poet was very frustrated, very impatient about making more progress with his life, with his poetry and so forth. And this is what, how Rilke, Rilke responded. Have patience with everything unresolved in your heart. And try to love the questions themselves. Don't search for the answers which could not be given to you now because you would not be able to live them. The point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps then, someday, far in the future, you will gradually, without even noticing it, live your way into the answer. Let's just sit for a moment and let let things gather. invite us now to go into groups of three. You can stay in your chairs or be on the floor. And this is also the time if you need to uh, use the bathroom you can do that. Let me give you instructions for these groups. Thank you for listening.